Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where critics and fans finally unite to discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. We're not just fans, we're not just critics, we're Cinemaholics. Hello and welcome to Cinemaholics, the official movie podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I am your host, Will Ashton, and I am taking over for John Negroni, who is out of town this weekend. I am from the internet, Pennsylvania, and joining me for this episode is not Maverick, unfortunately. He is also out of town for this episode. I don't know where he is, but thankfully we got from the internet, California, my good co-host from It Ain't Ogre to It's Ogre, and an all-around swell guy. Please give a warm welcome to Matt Serafini. Hi, Matt. Oh, hey, Will. That's a sweet intro. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, we've had you on for a last call, technically. I, I actually thought when we were recording it was going to be a main episode, but right. it ended up being a last call. We talked about downsizing and Bright that time, but... Yeah, now we... I'm starting to worry that I'm getting, like, typecast into bad movies, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I mean, at least we're getting you on the show, right? Yeah, happy to be here. Very happy to be here. All right. And uh, joining us for this episode is our other chair on 8, Ogre to its Ogre, our third chair. And uh, as well, he's also a writer on uh, Movie Boozer. Give it up for Christopher Sheridan from uh, the Internet Internet Colorado. I apologize. Hello. I am so happy to be on here. I'm very pleased to join you guys today. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you both on. I'm glad we could officially take over Cinemaholics. In yeah. our own way. And um, I pitched to John and Maverick the idea of them doing an episode of Any Ogre to its Ogre, but they were not receptive to watching The Cat in the Hat. Uh, so, they must not have seen it yet, then. Yeah. <laughs> it only takes once. It's a great yeah. movie. All right. Um, I go on the record saying that. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So this week's episode is going to be about The Happy Time Murders. Um if you don't know, that's the new Brian Henson movie, The Son of Jim Henson, and that's a film that's gotten quite a bit of a contentious response, it's safe to say, from critics and fans alike, but we'll talk about that in a bit. First, we're going to talk about some off-topics. So, um, I guess we should just start by saying that technically this is our 100th episode. That's not really counting the main Cinemaholic episodes, that's also counting the uh, Last Calls and our spinoff, Anyway, It's All I Got. And mm. so, yeah, I mean, technically, this is our hundredth episode. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, that makes it even more exciting to be here. Yeah, yes. it's, a, it's a milestone. And uh, I've, I've listened to uh, at least all the main episodes. I haven't done all the yeah. Last calls you're a or, you're a devoted yeah. listener of the podcast, and we. I'm a fan. I'm yeah, a straight up fan. <laughs> and we're happy to actually have you on the episode for that reason, yeah. among yeah. others. Uh, and also, I'm just going to promote: we have a Q and A episode coming up. Uh, we don't know exactly when it's going to be, but keep sending your questions and we'll probably be doing it at least in the next couple of weeks, I hope, because we got some good questions and I'm excited to do that little fun ep. Um, Chris and Matt, do you have any questions you want to throw into the hat? I, I may have to return to that. You know, I may have to su- submit some myself. Okay. Yes. Same. All right. Fair enough. Um, and also I have a couple corrections on John's behalf to make for this episode. Um, for one, I believe he said that Regina Hall was in Proud Mary. That is not the case. I don't know who exactly he was referring to, but I believe he was thinking of Taraji P. Henson. So uh, that was a goof on his end. And also, I guess he suggested that um, 
Crazy Rich Asians was the first uh, all Asian cast in a major studio release. There was actually uh, the Joy Luck Club from about, I believe, 25 years ago. And we forgot to mention that film. So that was a double goof. That was a goof on my end and on his end. So just one, just goofing over here. Just just, just playing goofing. I mean, I, I can't imagine <laughs> what next episode is going to be because there's probably going to be like a whole list of goofs that we're going to make. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully we don't goof too much but uh you've been warned if that's the case um also we might have a little bit of a cinemaholic scoop our first official cinemaholic scoop are you guys excited about that yes this is a milestone yeah in journalism yes it is yes this is our uh <laughs> woodward and bernstein moment for cinemaholics um what happened is so john and i were talking on twitter and he made an uh, offhanded remark that the sequel to Happy Death Day, which is currently in post-reduction, should be called Happy Death Day to You, the letter U. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was encouraging that sentiment. And we out of nowhere got a response from the writer-director of uh, Happy Death Day. I'm blanking on his name right now. I'm going to look it up real quick. But he basically said that that... Between him and us, that was the official team of Happy Death Day 2. So, we can't well, say for sure. between him and us now, is it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, the thing about that is, it's technically right now on Wikipedia, it's called Happy Death Day 2U because of that tweet. So, wow. I, we haven't heard anything from like the studio itself as far as um, that being official, but we like to believe that we we got the scoop on Happy Death yeah. Day 2. Yeah, absolutely. That's exciting. So, yeah. if that's the case, then we got the name exclusive. And that was uh, Christopher B. Landon is the writer-director of Happy Death Day to you. Thank you, Christopher. Yeah, so thanks for reaching out. And uh, personally, I'm a fan of the movie. I don't know. Matt, have we talked about Happy Death Day at all? Um, I've never seen it, actually. You haven't seen it? No, I never got around to it. You should check it out. It's. I think it's a It's a pretty fun movie for what it is. Oh, I think. yeah. I wanted it's to really see it. It's really fun, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think people were misled that it was going to be like a straight horror movie, but it's really more of like a poppy horror comedy, more of a comedy horror, actually. I went through a maze based on it at Universal Studios last Halloween. Yeah, I I think that was like the first like horror maze that was released before the movie itself came out. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's right. (laughs) Yeah, how was the maze? I, I heard good things about it, but what was your response to it? It was good. It was, well, I had, my, my roommate is very, she really likes, um, like haunted houses and mazes. And so this, but she like is never scared by anything, but this one actually freaked her out a little bit because of the baby face, I guess that the killer wears. And there's like, at one point there's a room where there's just a bunch of dummies of that face. Yeah. But one of them is like actually a person and he jumps out at you. Yeah. You don't know which one. So that was pretty cool. Nice. It was good. I'm glad you had a good experience with that. Yeah. All right. Um, so with that out of the way, we have a couple things to talk about. First, we're going to do a quick update on MoviePass. Um, Chris, do you want to lead the way on this one? Yeah, so uh, previously MoviePass, I'm not sure what your last announcement was about it, but that they made their – they changed the plan to being uh, still nine ninety five a month but limited to three movies per month. Um, and people that, that were on the annual plan would not be affected by this until the end of their annual term. So if you signed up last February – then it, your plan wouldn't change to the three movies limited until this coming February. However, yeah. movie pass just unceremoniously migrated all the annual accounts to monthly ones, so everybody was stuck in there, yeah. uh, along with only a couple of movies available at, at one given day. 
so a lot of people are are still canceling in mass, and then uh, as a result, AMC A list has signed um, a, a couple hundred thousand subscribers in the last two months to A list. <laughs> Yeah, great time for A-list to start up, and like, like with just MoviePass on the cusp of falling apart, A-list like perfect timing for them. Yeah, he was Madison was trading at two cents per share yesterday. Uh, so for two pennies, you can buy stock in he was Matheson. <laughs> My roommate one. has stock in MoviePass. He like bought it two months ago for like twenty five bucks. He bought like twenty five dollars worth, and he's lost like fifty bucks. I think. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it just keeps. Keeps getting lower. Is that the Helos um, Madison one? The I think so. Madison I'm not movie sure. pass. Okay. Uh, that's probably it. But yeah, um, yeah. Well, I'm actually honestly, I'm included in that annual plan, and they actually did give an option by you have until the 31st to decide if you do want to cancel it. They'll prorate the rest of your year. That's true. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, um, I'm considering doing that because like, it's do like it fast. Yeah, there was a yeah there was a tweet that was like. Movie Pass now is like you have to like solve three riddles to try to see a movie. It's just like it's like not worth the effort. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I will say. I mean, I I have not too many kind things to say about Movie Pass, but I'll throw them one bone. Just because we've been saying a lot of negative things about them, I, I want to give them one credit. I did okay. see Happy Time Murders with Movie Pass, and it worked like yeah, a treat. Yeah, so, same here actually. Uh, well, I don't want to downplay the fact that MoviePass was an extraordinarily generous service for the year that I was using. Yeah, it. yeah. I I'm, I'm extremely I'll, grateful for that service. I will always look back on 2017 to 2018, the year that I saw pretty much every movie that came out. Because of <laughs> exactly. <Pass. Yeah. laughs> like, uh, so, yeah, it had a good run, and it sounds like this is the final straw for you, Matt. Uh, I'm not 100% sure yet. I'm going to talk to my group of friends that all use it together and see what we're thinking okay because i say that because uh last week when uh movie pass was uh re-upping people who canceled their subscriptions oh right yeah <laughs> uh that was the final straw for john and yeah. uh, i believe maverick as well so uh personally i'm just kind of sticking with it because i got a year-long subscription but now that they're refunding people i am debating whether to uh cancel my subscription as well but i haven't decided either so we, we can say final straw for matt and will question mark I yes. guess that's fair. And uh, Chris, you canceled your subscription A-list. already, right? Yeah, I canceled it um, on the weekend that they uh, that um, I saw Blind Spotting because I went to the theater to see Blind Spotting. Blind Spotting was not available at all on the Movie Pass app, and Leave No Trace was locked out as a premium show, uh, premium showing. It's like, well, they're definitely not putting Leave No Trace in Dolby, so. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, movie passes intentionally locking out movies, and that that communication uh, gaffe was the, the final straw for me. Yeah, because they didn't announce they were going to start doing that. Yeah, yeah, just people would show up to Mission Impossible, or whatever, and find out that they weren't able to see it. That's actually what happened to me with Teen Titans Go, which was until I saw Happy Time. That was the last time I tried to use my movie pass. I showed up and just their server was down. It was that was the day they like forgot to pay for whatever they ran. Oh the yeah. They, they yeah, lost like so was, $5 million or something and they had to get it from yeah. other people. Yeah, and I was just like, well, you guys didn't put out an announcement or an email or anything. Like, I'm at the theater now. And so, yeah. yeah Did I, they even I, they even do like a social media thing? Like, hey, heads They didn't up. do anything. Right, nothing, yeah. I mean, after the yeah. fact, they sent out an email saying, we're excited to announce changes to our plan to continue <laughs> bringing you good value. Yeah, they like, didn't even apologize if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's, it's a shame because like we said, good service, but... They just 
Do you know that have their crap in order? So I just want them to do tiers. Just do like thirty dollars a month. Yeah, we were talking about this uh, off like, the air. It's yeah. It, it just uh, they're so. Yeah. You can do it so easily. Stop just making it one plan. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. To explain what you're referring to, Matt, um, we were debating uh, last week when we were actually meeting in person whether they should just do like a like a ten year plan. If you see like three one to three films, uh, like a twenty year or twenty dollar tier where you could get like <laughs> I was going to say ten year plan. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, That's that was, commitment. Yeah. Um, like a twenty year tier or twenty. Jeez. Uh, Twenty dollar tier for like one month, you could get like I guess um, what would that be like six to eight movies? I guess or three, six, six to nine. Sorry, six to nine movies, and then uh, thirty would be unlimited. I think that would be a smarter execution than what they're doing right now. But uh, unfortunately, they do they they're out of it at this point. I think it's safe to say that they're barely holding on. I think eventually they're going to go to a straight just indie film thing because that's all that's mostly what's available right. on the app anyway. So like yeah. no no movies that are over like fifteen hundred theaters, and then that would encourage to drive traffic to the smaller ones or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so kind of moving on from Movie Pass, we were also going to talk briefly about Danny Boyle leaving Bond twenty five. Um, we went a little longer on Movie Pass than I anticipated, but uh, <laughs> Chris, do you have any thoughts you wanted to say about that? Um, I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. Uh, I, I think EON has has shown in the past that they're uh, very domineering over their property, and so bringing in a, a voice as fresh as Boyle along with his own screenwriter was something that was doomed to not happen. Yeah, I mean, that's basically it, I feel like. I mean, it was kind of crazy that Danny Boyle was involved at any point, just because Danny Boyle, like, even though he is like one of our more iconic uh, British filmmakers, working British filmmakers right now, he just he his so his style is so uh, specific and essent- uh, just uh, irreverent to what you would expect from a Bond film, and that was what kind of made it kind of exciting. But like you said, it's not really super surprising, only because it, it was expected that they wouldn't really agree on exactly what to do. It seems like the producers just want to get this movie over with because Daniel Craig is clearly done with playing James Bond at this point. And uh, my personal suggestion, I heard this on Twitter, I believe from Jacob Hall from Slash Film. Uh, he suggested that they should just bring back Martin Campbell, who made Casino Royale and uh, GoldenEye. And he, even though his track record is shoddy at best when it comes to other movies outside of the Bond series besides The Mask of Zorro, John Negroni's favorite movie, um, I would I think he would be good to just kind of bring some closure to the Bond series that they had with uh, Daniel Craig and just kind of tie up the storylines that were introduced in Casino Royale and Quantum Solace. And I think that would be the best way to go until they get their new actor, which may or may not be Idris Elba. I think he he confirmed that he's not going to be Bond. Oh, he did? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it it was hard to tell because, like, they've been saying that for a couple years now about whether or not Idris Elba would be involved in the bond series and uh i did not hear that he officially turned it down or that he confirmed that wasn't happening so that's interesting i don't know who will take over the mantle for daniel craig when he finally leaves but i think there's a ton of possibilities and i think it would be fun to see what becomes of the series so uh i would just say they did like uh tom holland as a young bond oh no yeah i don't don't feel that really um they're they're already doing that with nathan drake for uncharted yeah are they yeah I just think, I mean, honestly, I think this is a good opportunity to either have, you know, a woman or a person of color 
in the series. I think we've had, you know, straight white men play Bond for like 50 years now. I think it's, you know, it's time for a change. I would rather see something different if we have this opportunity to do something different. But I don't know. I'm curious to see who they're going to pick as Daniel Craig's replacement. Because... I don't know. I've heard some people be like, oh, it's just this end bond. And it's like, that's not going to happen. Like, they're no. they're going to keep that gravy chain rolling. That's like basically all MGM <laughs> has at this point. Exactly. So I don't think they're going to get rid of bond, but I think there is a golden opportunity to do something vital with the series and elevate it and evolve the series. But we'll see if that happens. Um, also, real quick, we'll just mention that um, two other news bulletins happened this past week of note. One is that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is now delayed indefinitely. And big the, surprise uh, there. Yeah, no surprise yeah. there. And um, also, The Big Bang Theory is ending after 12 seasons. And That's the reported nice. reason is because Jim Parsons was given $50 million to keep doing it, and he turned it down. Which, <laughs> I mean, I don't have a lot to say about that, but I just think it's really funny. The only funny I have thing I've ever seen... more respect for Jim Parsons now. What was that? I have a little more respect for Jim Parsons now. Yeah, I mean, honestly. like, from his point of view, like, he's probably way loaded, right? Oh, yeah. And, like, $50 million isn't that much to him at this point. Like, and he probably gets no creative or artistic fulfillment from it, uh, playing the role of uh, Sheldon at this point. And I guess they're just not going to do a show without Sheldon because, like, no one would care. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I don't know. I just think it's funny. The only yeah. funny thing that's come out of the Big Bang Theory in quite a while. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, that's it for off topics. Uh, let's dive into our main review for the happy time murders. Now, like I was saying at the top of the episode, this is a wide release from STX entertainment, who is, uh, sort of up and coming, I guess. Like they're, they're not quite as well known as the other studios, but they've, they tend to take a little more riskier options, I guess, as far as what they release and distribute. And, um, this is a film that's been way in the works for a while. It's I believe it was uh, first introduced like 2008, 2009, maybe 2010 yeah. at the latest was when they first it was announced. 08. It was 08. Yeah, I mean, it was like, yeah, 10 years ago now. And this project is one, honestly, I mean, when it was first announced, I was really excited for it. I was like, this sounds kind of cool. It's going to be like... Yeah, the concept art's so good. Yeah, it's some great storyboards and stuff there. Um, it's really well done. It, it could have been really fun to do basically what is Who Framed Roger Rabbit with uh muppets or puppets or i guess they are are they technically muppets because it's a jim henson oh, no no they're not muppets okay but it's a i guess i should explain that this is made through henson alternative uh through director brian henson who is the son obviously of jim henson so like it's technically a henson production but like not really it's not like henson in the sense of the muppets but so right. they're not technically Muppets. Is that what you're well, saying? Hens- the, J- the Jim Henson company doesn't even own the Muppets anymore. They're Disney. Right. But I didn't know, I just they, didn't know what the technicalities are for what defines a Muppet and a puppet. Nothing that the Jim Henson company makes anymore is Muppet. Okay. Fair unless, enough. Unless they're doing it with Disney. Yeah. So, I mean, I should mm-hmm. say that um, this movie, it's a screenplay by Todd Berger who made uh, It's a Disaster, which is actually a pretty underrated little movie. Uh, based mm-hmm. on a story that he came up with, with D. Austin Roberts. Um, essentially, the plot is that there's a show from the 80s called The Happy Time Gang that uh, has seen better years, and now it's present day, and basically all the main stars are washed up. And uh, at this point, like all of them are, all the main cast members are dying through very mysterious reasons. And yeah, the, uh, the cast of the show starts getting murdered. Right, that's what I mean. And so uh, our main detective character, Phil, uh, he 
is trying to track down who's killing them, and he gets his former po- former partner, played by Melissa McCarthy, involved, and uh, they have a contentious relationship, and we follow that through uh, the film. But that's a very loose narrative because the film isn't really story structured. I think it's safe to say it also stars Maya Rudolph, Joel McHale, Jimmy O Yang, Leslie David Barker, Ryan Gao or Gale. I apologize. Gal, yeah, and Elizabeth Banks. So, Chris, we'll start off with you. Um, How do you feel about the Happy Time Murders? Um, I'm not surprised, but I'm still disappointed. I'm mainly disappointed in the people that made this. That's like, come on, guys. This is, I mean, this is the best that you could do. You know, we talked. You you mentioned that back in '08. You know, this was was first mentioned, and back then it was supposed to be like this this noir with puppets, and you know, kind of like this kind of hard boiled detective mystery. And now it's just a raunchy comedy. It's like, you know, they, they saw Team America and wanted to do that. <laughs> and uh, my biggest problem is that the puppets swearing and, and drinking and doing drugs and stuff is is the only joke the, the movie has. And there's no other <laughs> there's no other nuance to that joke. It's just like, haha, isn't that hilarious that these children's characters are so gross and swearing? Yeah, like <laughs> it's there was a lot of stuff in there that like I thought they were going to do and they didn't do and stuff that they did do that didn't really make any sense. It's um, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if we're doing spoilers or anything. Uh, no spoilers, but we can do a spoiler section if you wish to. Okay. Uh, it's, there's just some things that didn't make sense to me. It's some of it's spoiler spoiler uh, ish, but yeah. I'm just trying to find my words with with this movie. It's just kind of, it's really kind of astonishing. Uh, I think the big the biggest thing for me is that the puppeteering work is actually really strong. It's it's, yeah, it's kind of impressive. Good. Like my my brain never screamed fake when I watched uh, Phil Phillips walking around. And when I know the, Will loves when they show puppet legs. Yeah, I guess they should explain that. I have a real big pet peeve. I don't know if it's a pet peeve. I just find it very unnerving when they show the full body of puppets. It's just it's unnatural and it's wrong. And I just I don't like it. I I don't like it. <laughs> it is it is weird, especially when the, the legs seem like they're filled out and not just pieces of felt. Uh, yeah. But I thought I thought the puppeteering work was really strong. Everything just looked good in the movie. It's it's technically very well put together. Just the the script and the direction are not there. Yeah, I I basically agree with you. And I I'll say that I just find it really weird that this movie thinks um, it's so novel to have swearing puppets when we have like. <laughs> Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles is the one that comes to mind for me. Uh, I think that to me is like one of the landmarks of like filthy puppet movies. If you want to know, like, I mean, if you have no idea about Peter Jackson's early work, uh, please check them out because they are out there and Devil May Care and I just think they're delightful. But, uh, Meet the Feebles is basically like the Muppet Show if John Walter or John Waters directed it. I think that's the best way I can describe it. It's just, it's a really dirty, filthy movie, but it seems to own up to that in a way that I don't think The Happy Time Murders does. Like, Happy Time Murders, everything about it is, like, so crystal and clear, like, as far as the visual presentation is, that, like, mm-hmm. the adult, like, stuff just feels more jarring, because it's, like, doesn't really, like, the world itself doesn't feel super defined. Uh, but right. I'll talk about that a little more in a bit. Uh, there's also, you know, obviously, uh, Avenue Q, uh, Hand of God, um, like you said, Team America, uh, Crank Yankers, uh, Alligator Boots was, like, a pilot that... Uh, was pretty famous from Comedy Central with Kanye West involved. That was, I mean, there's just there's a ton of examples you can come up with, like where R-rated puppets are the center of the joke, and it's just like what what makes them think that in 2018 that this is such a novel concept? It's very odd to me. But yeah. Matt, let us know how you feel about the Happy Timers. Well, I was, um, I think Will and I are 
in a similar boat, uh, and Chris as well. It just I, I was so disappointed by this. I mean, but but I have to say what Will pointed out because we talked a little bit right after seeing it, and um, the, the um, it wasn't like a complete disappointment because we saw the trailer. Like if we hadn't seen the trailer, like if we had just purely seen the um, concept art years ago, right? And then it was like, oh, we're finally going to see this movie, and you go in the theater and you see this. I would have been like devastated right that would but, have been uh, <laughs> but i, I kind of knew that it was not going to be that good uh but it, even still it was disappointing i found it profoundly unfunny um i, I actually i'm gonna disagree with chris a little bit I, I i do think the puppetry was all really good but i thought the movie was shot really poorly like it looked like a tv movie uh, yeah yeah the direction um, was not good yeah um and I thought that all of the human actors in this movie gave bad performances, with the exception of Stanley from The Office, who gave a passable one. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just a huge shame. You can like vaguely see the good movie in here, especially like towards the beginning. You're like, oh, I can see how this could be good, like with a few rewrites. But it's it's buried pretty deep in there. Um, I think Melissa McCarthy was pretty miscast as the lead. I, I think that they could have done better. I, I like Melissa. McCarthy, but I just think she was miscast here. Uh, I actually, I want to disagree with you a little bit on Melissa McCarthy. I, I think sure. her character, her character was was very poor, but mm-hmm. I think Melissa McCarthy's performance was fine. Like I, I thought, actually, her chemistry with with Phil was yeah, that's surprisingly fair. strong. Yeah, like she was convincing in that she was talking to a character and not just a, yeah. a, a an item. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, actually, I um I agree with you on this one, Chris. I thought that. I don't think she fit the character exactly. I don't know. I mean, one thing, I mean, we brought up Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I think one thing that really stood out to me about that movie is that Bob Hopkins in that film, one reason why I think his his performance is so brilliant is that he is just like a basically a noir character that is in a mm-hmm. world with animated characters just moving around. Like he he's a straight man. He's the one that kind of yeah, just plays it straight. Exactly. Right. He plays it straight, but he doesn't like he doesn't <laughs> half ass or anything. He's it's a generally really good performance. And it helps you buy into the believability of the world. But Melissa McCarthy is very, like, sarcastic and, like, kind of, like, joking around to the point where that kind of dispels your belief a little bit. That's how I felt, at least. Like, like her performance was, like, kind of self-aware to the point where it felt like it was distracting. Mm-hmm. Did you yeah. guys feel that way about her performance? Yeah, a little yeah. bit, yeah. Um, and I think I think she's good. I think she's actually a really talented actress. I just think her projects oh, yeah. are just not great. And she has a movie coming up this fall called um, Can You Forgive Me? I believe it's called or Can You Ever Forgive Me? That looks yeah. really good, and I think that's going to be a good showcase for her dramatic chops, at least. And I think she needs that, because I will say, um, she did some uncredited rewrites on this film, apparently, so she is involved in some point. from She's a producer on it, as well. Okay. So, and uh, it does feel like a Melissa McCarthy movie in some ways, but uh, overall, I agree. I, I think my main criticism with the movie is not so much the script, which I think I agree with you, Matt. Like I think if they had reworked the script a little bit more and kind of change some things like i i find it weird or that it's you're been reworked too much i think that, maybe that's another option. i was gonna say it's weird that you're on this episode because the last episode that you were on was bright right which and we weirdly this movie is more and over <laughs> yeah it's it's more bright than who framed roger rabbit in the sense that they use puppets as like an allegory for like immigrants and racial discrimination which <laughs> I, I just think that's a bad choice to make all around like i just think that yeah, was poorly conceived I, well, especially my roommate it made a good point, which is that they like they like directly compare the puppets to like African American like my, minorities and stuff, and uh, then they like 
there's a death that involves a dog without spoiling it really. And it's like kind of in poor taste. Like if they hadn't done the comparison, I think that joke would have worked a lot better. Um, yeah. I felt that way too. It's kind of tone deaf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, his color. Yeah. Everything about that. Yeah. yeah. Like it just, it just seemed like a very wrong headed choice. Like I think that that definitely sounds like a decision that would have been made. Like when we were not like so culturally woke, I guess like, Sure. <laughs> that's the whole thing like this movie feels like it comes from like 2005 like this feels like it was written <laughs> yeah. in 2005 it was like conceived in 2005 when like crank gangers was on the air and stuff and that they couldn't have gotten away with this maybe i don't know i mean it's hard to know what the response would have been earlier but i feel like especially now in 2018 this movie just feels like why are we doing this now like why why are you taking this approach with it in the first place but especially now it just seems very wrong-headed but i was gonna say i, I mean cool. i do think the general concept of the film could have worked with like some strong rewrites and yeah. if you i think some of the jokes work on paper but yeah. i think the biggest hindrance to the film is brian henson's direction and this is yeah. his first movie i want to say in like over 20 years i believe his last one was um muppets treasure island are you is that correct matt i'll, I'll double check i I'm, I'm looking it up now but um i i know he has not been in the filmmaking game for a while i mean he's done stuff on tv like uh sit the science kid and stuff like that but yeah, right. his, his last movie before Happy Time Murders was Muppet Treasure Island, which I don't remember if I've seen in full, but he also did Muppet Christmas Carol, and I think that's a good film. I think that's Muppet a Treasure Christmas Island Carol. is great. Yeah, well, I, I I stand by Muppet Christmas Carol being the best um, adaptation of A Christmas Carol on film. I mean, yeah, Michael Caine is great in that film, and yeah. I, think, I think there's some good gags, and I think it has good heart to it. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what's so weird about this movie, is that like, it has no real heart. Like, for a passion project that's been in the works for, like, 10 plus years. Like, it doesn't really feel like that inspired. Like, it it feels kind of weirdly cold and, like, off. It feels like at some point he lost the interest in making it, but still kind of had to. Yeah. Like, well, I put in the work so far, I might as well finish this thing and wipe my hands clean. Yeah, I mean, that would add to the theory that I had, which was that at one point this movie was, like, more strictly like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like... Not really super kid friendly, but not like fully adult. And right. like it probably got like tossed around for a bit. And then like with the success of Ted and Sausage Party and Deadpool, like they would have been like some producers were like, we'll make your puppet movie, Brian, but you, you got to, you know, you got to buff up the raunch. And like maybe that yeah. could have like lost his interest in it. I don't honestly know if that's the case. I don't think so because it's not like Jim Henson's like whole filmography was like super kid friendly. Like I think he just kind of found his niche and worked with that, and I, yeah. I and I know that um, Brian Henson he does have like an offshoot production, like an improv troupe called Puppet Off, which does like very Pu- kind of like up, blue comedy. What was that meant? I think it's Puppet Up. Oh, sorry, Puppet Up, and it's like very kind of blue comedy with puppets. Yeah, they do it like once a year, I think, and it's at, like it's at the Jim Henson Studios in Hollywood. Yeah, and I believe that's an also that's also from Pencil Alternative who made this film. I think that's they're involved with that production as well. Yeah, I was gonna go, but it's expensive. <laughs> Is it expensive? Yeah, it's like tickets are like sixty, seventy bucks or something like oh, that. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess if they only do it once a year. That makes sense. Yeah, but, yeah. But after this movie, I don't. I wouldn't be too inclined <laughs> to see it. Um, yeah. yeah, I. I I just feel like there's something that's really crucially off here and it's really distracting. And like you said, disappointment we've talking a lot about disappointment, which I guess is fitting for this episode. Uh, (laughs) Uh, You uh, mentioned uh, earlier about the noir elements of this movie. Oh, I'm glad you will and how poor they are. 
Yeah, the, the I, whole thing takes place during the day. Not that not that noir is not allowed to take place during the day because I stand by that noir can take place anywhere. I'm just like, I thought that that was a wrong choice here because in my opinion, what they could have should have done would be have it all like set at night and have the puppets be the bright thing that contrasts the night. Right. You know, that would have made more yeah. sense. I, yeah, I, I agree completely. I think that's that's probably my biggest complaint with this whole movie is that like as a noir film. It's terrible. Like, not even just, like, <laughs> taking out the comedy stuff. Like, the noir elements of the movie are just terrible. Like, yeah, it's way overlit. obvious. Like... <laughs> like, the story is, like, super... Like, you can tell immediately who the person involved is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's not a compelling noir story. Like, it's very cliched, very hackney. And I guess that could have been okay if the jokes were better. But, like, just looking mm -hmm. at it as a noir film, it's terrible. Like, I'm not even talking about the comedy. Just as a noir story, it's bad. And mm -hmm. I find it so fascinating because, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like, in addition to being, like, a good comedy and having, you know, fantastic, game-changing, groundbreaking animation, like, it's just a great noir film. Yeah. Like, rewatching like, it. Yeah, like, like yeah. rewatching it this weekend, it's just it's just so clear that, that movie is basically perfect. I, I think it has some flaws, but it's pretty close to perfect. And it's amazing that that movie is as good as it is. And I think I appreciate it more after watching Happy Time Murders. But, yeah, I just... I. I can't imagine how they spent so much time on this and like this, how the story would be so basic in the noir elements. Cause it just, that seemed like the biggest oversight of all to me is just that it's such a terrible noir film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I did have a couple more little notes, which was the soundtrack is really weird and unfitting yeah. and likely expensive. Like there's a lot of popular music in this that just, it's like they, ah, oh, we need a pop song for this. Let's just throw one in here. Um, I thought the movie was also, really padded like it's only about 90 minutes long and it, there are so many like jokes and scenes that just go on for way too long that it's just like uh this you can move on I and mean, even the logos at the beginning I don't, did you guys notice the logos seem to just hang on screen a little too long yeah i did yeah it was okay, weird so it wasn't just me <laughs> no it yeah, kind of reminded me of know. um that family guy bit you, you know what i'm talking oh, about where it just keeps showing the yeah. different logos yeah oh here's the movie oh no yeah, yeah. It, it just like, <laughs> the logos went. On, I agree. The logos went on, like way long. I thought that was just me though. So I'm glad you agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I found it to be insulting, and I was bummed that it wasn't even funny. Bad. Like I was hoping to go in and like laugh at how bad it was, but it's it's just boring. Well, that's the thing with bad comedy is that like bad comedies are like the worst kind of films. Yeah, because like you can't even get like ironic enjoyment out of them for the yeah. most part. But um, yes, I will say. Were there I mean, any jokes been, that you guys laughed at? I was just going to say, I mean, there are a couple, I, I want to say, I don't hate the movie. I, I don't like it. And I think it's a bad film for a variety of reasons. But I don't completely hate it because I think, like we were saying, the trailer was so, like, mind-numbingly terrible. And, like, the ad marketing for this movie was, like, so depressing that I think there were, there were two or three gags in here that made me chuckle. Um, and I think the biggest one that actually got a chuckle out of me was the character design for the inbred children. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. I just, I mean, like, it's, it's a, it's a wrong head choice, or it's a, you know, it's a cruel joke, but, uh, I just, I just think the character design for that was just really funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. And of course, they, they ran that joke straight into the ground after the fact. Like, I think the visual was enough, and then they had to make a, like a, a th like a minute long joke right. about how they couldn't. We gotta... We gotta call Child Protective Service. Yeah, like, oh, are you talking about like where they're like yelling at each other from across the room, and they can't hear each other? Yeah, that was yeah. like the end problem. In this movie is really bad. Although I I did think that Melissa McCarthy's lines like I can't I can't read your lips. You're a puppet. 
I, yeah. all I see is it's like a hand flapping. I got that was a, that was kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that could have worked better. Like that's the whole like thing I was talking about before with like execution of the film. Because like I, I, there's a giant joke in this movie that's weirdly very early on in the film. It probably should have been later in the film, but uh, I'm trying to think of the best PG way I can say this. But there's a scene where a cow is getting uh, oh my God. pleasured by an octopus. Yeah, and I think in a, I actually think in a better film that joke could have been funny. But the yeah, way, I mean, I I thought that Phil Phillips' like response to it was pretty funny. Like he just goes, "What the f is going on back yeah. there?" But like, you know, I he think actually says the f word. The thing about that joke though is that like you have to like work for it. Yeah, like it, you can't just like show that joke. Like it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to like kind of like, hey, but... what's going on back there? Like, oh, you know, just normal stuff. You hear like like a yeah. cow going on or something like what's going on and then yeah and then, then you, you pull, pull back, back and yeah because yeah. like like the idea of uh octopus pleasuring a cow like that's like it's funny on its own like on paper that's a funny <laughs> gag <laughs> yeah but just the execution is just so poor that i think to me that joke and that whole scene just kind of encapsulates what's wrong with this movie it's just like from an execution standpoint it's just all terrible like yeah. there's also like it's it's very incongruent the way that the puppets work like they're they're like mythology they're things but they're also partially biological and there's no coherent logic to how the the how the the puppet race is designed and and uh, portrayed yeah because yeah. like they're they're like they're they're clearly made out of felt and 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 hair and stuff but you know Phil smokes and drinks um, you know puppets do drugs they. They feel yeah. pain and can get killed. They they have intestines, you know. Yeah, it's one of those things that's like it almost raises. They, they like caused it to raise too many questions. Like yeah. they could have just, but like like they bring up specific things that raise questions. It's yeah. like it could have just been fine. I think um, that's just an inherent failure of the world building, in my opinion. Yeah, because like like one thing I also really love about I, I'm I'm not gonna keep bringing up Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but I'm for, in the same boat. Yeah, I, I feel like like the world building in that movie, like not only is it like a period piece, but like. It just really feels ingrained, and it feels like they they took the time to like build this unique little version of Los Angeles, and this just looks like kind of like Los Angeles with some puppets walking around. Yeah, I was gonna ask, do you guys think it was a bad choice to have this take place in the modern day? Yeah, uh, I don't think it's bad to have it in modern day. I just think they need to do more work with it, like just yeah. to make it more visually interesting. That's the main thing I for agree. me is that the movie is just not visually interesting. It's yeah. very like sitcom looky. Yeah. yeah, like I said, it looks so, like it's so flat. Movie. Too, yeah. It's too flat. It's too brightly lit. Right. Exactly. Uh, one joke that I laughed at towards the very beginning, the dancing puppet on the street, he says, spare a penny. My wife is dead. And yeah. I, I mean, that I was... think that's like the kind of joke I would normally laugh at, but it just seemed like the, I, that's another one where I think the execution just didn't really work for me. He yeah, says something else. Because it was just a throwaway line. Right. Yeah. He says something else like as Phil Phillips is going inside the building, like it's very offhand. You don't even see him say it. Yeah. I forget a... what it was, but I remember being like, yeah, it was okay. Like an ADR joke, something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, the jokes that were funny were either the ones that you just kind of laugh as a response to the shock, or the ones that they, they didn't, they weren't trying so hard on. Like so much of yeah. this humor is is begging for you to laugh at it, mm-hmm. and exactly. because it's it's not the movie is not confident in its humor. It's a very desperate kind of comedy. Yes, <laughs> which is a shame because I think if they had just if they had taken all this time and effort to really you know hone the film they wanted to make. They could have made a solid film. I'm not saying it could have been a masterpiece like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but it could have been something. It could have been like, you yeah. know, like a off kilter kind of charmingly weird movie like oh. The Feebles. 
Yeah, I remembered something. I I also think that, that something they could have maybe done uh, would be to actually show us a little bit of that Happy Time Gang sitcom. Like, well, there is um, there's a behind the show scenes the intro thing sequence. on Twitter. Oh, is there? But I thought it was weird they didn't include that in the film. Yeah, like they didn't show any of like they show like the rap party and right. they show like the intro sequence, but they never actually show any of like the comedy from the show itself. Yeah, like, I mean, why it was such a hit, especially like, considering Hoover how bad the movie is. Yeah, and not to bring up Hoover and Roger Rabbit again, but like Roger Rabbit opens with a classic cartoon that's being filmed, like. They, they they show what's at stake here or what like the mo- motivation is. I don't know. It's yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I just think it's weird because like the thing I'm talking about, it's kind of like a where are they now parody. Oh, okay. So it's like sit down interviews and stuff, and it it goes on for a while. But like considering how padded out the movie is, I don't think it would have lost anything by having those eight minutes in the film, like sure. as a, a lead into this world and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe cut down some of the jokes, like the silly string one from the trailer. Yeah, I. For uh, 10 that, minutes <laughs> that did not need to go on for as long as it did <laughs> it was that's, horrible that's a yeah, classic everything example. about that was terrible i'm sorry what was that chris everything about that was terrible how you know it's it, especially how uh, the 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 girl is is like against the wall and still yelling and they're both yelling and it's just it felt very amateurish that scene yeah it was so yeah it was like, so, like it just like they just cleared they just like sprayed this uh um, silly string for a long time and just like yeah. hu- they just thought like oh this is a winner like we really yeah. got it um, um i do have a question um whether or not we're allowed to talk about the credits like what they do during the credits because like i had a uh, thought about that behind the scenes stuff yeah is that can considered spoiler no we can or? talk about that i, I think okay. we should be okay what would you want to bring up i didn't like that um oh yeah i mean maybe this is just me but I didn't like because because like one of the things I always like about like the Muppets is that they don't usually show that stuff. Like if you want to see it, you can seek it out, but they don't put it out there necessarily. Uh, and I don't like it just being in your face. Like, look, here's how they did everything. I think it, it kind of takes away some of the magic, but that might just be me. Um, I don't know. I kind of disagree because I think I mean, for me personally, I thought it was like for one, it was at least something. Yeah. Like after like 80, 90 minutes of just like banal. That's true jokes yeah. like it was at least kind of cool to figure out how they made the film like yeah. how they do puppeteering and stuff because i'm not really privy to that stuff sure and i agree like i i, I think that would be a bigger problem if they did that for like muppets most wanted where it's like a kid's sure. film and like you need to yeah. dispel that illusion but considering that the audience yeah, should true. be 17 and up it's not like yeah. we really believe that these puppets are real and active i, I think that right. was okay it was an okay joke. Uh, i liked i liked seeing how they did it but i i also respect what you said matt that it's it's kind of if you don't want to know how it is, it's kind of unpleasant to have it shoved in your face. Yeah. It's like, well, well that's, I guess that's my version of seeing their feet. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Like I, I <laughs> it's, it's breaking the illusion for sure. Yeah. But I, I like when they do that for stop motion movies, for whatever reason, it doesn't bother me. Like, okay. I think they did it at the end of uh box trolls. Right. Yeah. But in this case, I don't know what, for whatever reason, I was just like, ah, come on. Like at first, I thought it was a mistake because, like, one of the shots—it's just like a shot from the movie, but you can just see a guy sitting in the corner. Right. And I'm like, was that was that just a mistake? And then they show more, and I'm like, oh, okay, they're doing this. I mean, um, I w- I'm always curious, like, when they like show like full body shots, like how they work, even though they make me uncomfortable yeah. to no end. I'm always curious how they work. So, like, like seeing how they do those was interesting for me. But I see where you're coming from, Matt. Like, yeah. I think it's a valid criticism, but for me, it all things considered, that was the least the movie's problems, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah, I can get. 
All right. Um, I think we're going to just wrap it up. Uh, yeah. Chris, uh, what are your final thoughts on the film? Uh, colossal misfire. I'm really disappointed that the uh, uh, project of this scope ended like this. And I cautiously would be interested in a sequel if they could get their act together and make something that was more tonally coherent. Uh, what grade do you give it? What's the grading scale? Uh, we do Ethics. like uh, A to F. Um, you can also do uh, a number scale, whatever you feel most comfortable with. I'll give it a D plus. D plus. Okay. And I will say um, it seems like the box office for the movie is quite bad. Yes. Uh, I can pull up the exact numbers if you wish to find out, but yeah. uh, it seems like a sequel is not going to be in the future for this film. <laughs> right. they, which is a little surprising because the marketing for this film has been yeah, I it's say, everywhere. aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like it's, it's, it's everywhere. It, it only started like a month or so ago, but like they have really been hammering the marketing for this movie. And uh, well, the marketing has been including tweets from people, and I strongly suspect at least half of those tweets are taken out of context. Yeah, I mean, it's never good when you have to rely on tweets for right. your <laughs> positive word of mouth, if that. But yeah, it's it's not good news for them. And uh, Matt, where do you stand on the happy timers? Um, yeah, I'm with Chris. It's I think it's profoundly unfunny. Like I said. Um, just a major disappointment. It's, it's, it's an insulting movie to movie fans. <laughs> um, and, uh, I think, um, somewhere between a C minus and a D plus, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to be mean and I'm going to give it the D plus, All okay. right. which hurts me to give a movie that low of a grade. I didn't want to do it either. <laughs> I mean, I know you've been really passionate about this film as of I've been. Uh, and so I, I feel for your pain, man. I, it, it, it is a bummer. Um, is, I will say the b- b- uh, weekend gross for the film end up being ten million dollars, and uh, considering the budget is forty million, God. that's I mean it's a fourth of the budget, but at the same time I don't know how much was spent in marketing, so it seems like it's probably not going to make its money back, or it might just only break even. So that doesn't look encouraging for any future prospects for the film as far as the series is concerned. Uh, for me personally, I I can't hate the film because at least it was ambitious to some extent only sense that it wasn't absolutely nothing like tag or Baywatch was for me. Like I I felt like I got a couple puppetry and yeah, I mean, even though this, this idea has been done before and even though like puppets wearing isn't unique, you don't see it like every day at the cinema. So at least it was something, I mean, like you said, the puppetry was fine. I did get a couple laughs. I, I did also enjoy, there's a fight scene Midway through the movie with Muscle McCarthy with uh, Run the Jewels playing in the background, that that made me happy. I that little. Yeah. I just didn't understand the point of that scene. Sorry, no, it is pointless. I just thought it was fun as a diversion from everything else that was going on. Uh, well, do you have anything else to add about that, Matt? I just like it did, that scene didn't add or take away anything to the rest it of the didn't, movie. No, but um, yeah, I overall, like I said, couple laughs, and I got a little bit out of it. But overall, I was pretty disappointed by the film i thought it could have been so much more and especially after all this time and effort like i said i mean it's not the end of the world like it's it's a movie that has a couple of things for it which in my opinion puts it above um tag and baywatch and movies that generally i found to be just complete waste of time i didn't consider this movie a waste of time i just found it to be like chris was saying a colossal disappointment it could have been so much more than it was and ultimately it made me wish for other projects that uh, have 
or similar, but ultimately better what this movie was accomplishing. So I give it a C minus. I'm not quite in the D plus territory, but overall, I think this movie could have been so much more. So with that, that's mm-hmm. our review of the Happy Time Murders. We're going to go into a briefer than usual mini reviews, a uh, mini mini reviews, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to start real quick. Uh, actually, you know what? No, um, I want Chris to go because he he got to see the 2001 restoration of uh 2001 a space odyssey yeah and, the uh, 50th anniversary imax yeah and uh sam nolan talked about it a little bit but i want i want to kind of get the bad taste of my mouth from happy time murders so <laughs> let's talk about a genuinely great film yes yeah, so that was a, a magnificent palate cleanser um after seeing the happy time murders uh it's still you know it's still long it's almost three hours it had there was a 15 minute intermission uh, which I thought was good, although it was funny because AMC did not bring the lights up for the oh, intermission, geez. so we're all just stumbling around in the dark trying to get out of there, and then of course trying to find our seats again uh, when it was time to get back into it. But um, it's it's looks more really, movies. It's what? Sorry, I was just gonna say I wish more movies today would do the intermission, like Avengers four or Infinity War. They they should have just gone and made it three hours and given us an intermission. But that's yeah. just my opinion. Sorry. Yeah, it would have been better <laughs> in my opinion. But yeah, go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I think Blade Runner 2049 could have benefited yeah. from an intermission as well. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's uh, like the, the movie looks beautiful on IMAX. I mean, it's there's so much detail to the world. And it's, it, on a giant screen, you can really see a lot of the care that went into the set design and the tech design in the movie. Um, the sound in IMAX, including the soundtrack, is absolutely chest rattling. And uh, it's just a, a crazy experience. Then when he goes through the 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 time gate or whatever it is in the, in the back end of the movie, this, that there's that 10 minute race through all this color and stuff. And in, in IMAX that just looked good. And when it finally ends, it, it, I got that feeling again after seeing it for the first time that I had gone on a profound lifetime journey. Like it just, <laughs> the ending of 2001 felt like the culmination of something absolutely huge that I can't even comprehend. So it, at the end, I almost got emotional because the the movie really reminded me of why I started loving movies in the first place and what makes a movie so good. So, if you can see it in IMAX, it's it's worth it. Uh, it is almost three hours long, but the first half it does go kind of slowly. But after the intermission, it it felt like it was it breezed through in like forty minutes. So, uh, really, really recommend it. Awesome. I, I had the chance to see the seventy millimeter. I don't know if it's the same. I don't think it's the same, but. Same kind of thing. Yeah, it's just it was just incredible. Very glad I went to that. Well, I have to make a point to see it if it comes near me anytime soon. So, thank you, Chris, for talking about 2001. Um, I'm also just going to briefly tease my thoughts on next week's main review for Searching. Um, that's like I said, it's going to be our feature review next week, so I won't give away too much. I will say that uh, this movie it's it's I don't know if it's technically called found footage. It's like um it's another computer uh point of view film where like you follow from someone's desktop like what's going on in this case it's the murder mystery or not murder mystery it's a just a plain old mystery where uh a daughter uh uh, john cho has a daughter who goes missing and uh he's not quite sure what's going on or where she is and so he kind of follows her computer to find clues and there are some nefarious things going on and also some other mysteries that he doesn't know about so as a film, I think it's pretty good. I I know John considered it to be among uh, his favorite of the year. I'm not quite on the same camp. Um, I don't know, for me, some things are a little cheesy in my opinion. The film, I think, from a story standpoint, like 
if it weren't for the central execution, I think some stuff would not have landed too well. And ultimately, I just don't think some of the story beats were quite as effective as uh, they could have been. But I think John Cho does a great job in the lead role. I think he really commands the film in a way that's a great showcase for his talent. And um, I think it's interesting to see more of these um, computer point of view movies because we also had, you know, Unfriended, Dark Web earlier this, uh, earlier this summer. And um, that film was much more pessimistic than uh, Searching was, which is saying something because Searching is not really a lighthearted film. But uh, it's just, it's curious. I mean, I don't, I'm not 100% sold on this idea because I still think it has some limitations that uh, make it not a fully enriching theatrical experience. But at the same time, like computers are such of like a present part of our lives. Like we're talking via Skype right now. And, you know, I would say most of my time with work and whatnot is spent on computers in some way or another. So it is interesting that we are against this point where film is starting to communicate that aspect of reality, but I still think there are some, uh, some kinks in the armor. And, uh, I, I don't think searching is a perfect film, but, um, I'm debating between a B and a B minus for the film. Uh, I'll have it land on a grade for it come next episode, but, uh, I think it's a good film. I think it's worth watching. And I look forward to talking about it more in depth with John and Maverick, who seemed to be really in love with that movie. Uh, yeah. And then, um, I'll just also say, I got to see a Netflix special from, uh, Burt Chrysler, uh, he, if you don't know, is uh, typically known as both the inspiration for um, Van Wilder and a guy who uh, always takes his shirt off on stage when he tells jokes uh, in his new special, which is called Secret Time. He just kind of talks more about his personal life and uh, gives more of a, a look at like what middle age is like for him. Like now he's like, it's not quite as partying hardy as he used to be. And uh not quite at the uh, young guy he was before, like how he is approaching family life and all these different things in his point of life. And uh, it's a pretty good special. I, I don't love it, but unfortunately I didn't really have anything else I could talk about for many reviews. So I just wanted to talk about what else I had seen, which was that uh, I, I'm not going to give a rate to the stand-up special, but I will say if you're a fan of his comedy, it's pretty good. I think there are other specials on Netflix that are more worth your time, but Overall, I mean, it's, I got some good solid laughs out of this. Um, it's a little hit and miss, but I think it's worth seeing. Uh, and um, I, it was interesting because like, I think the first time I actually ever heard of him was when I went to see a live recording of um, Duck Loves Movies, and he was one of the guests at the episode. And so it was uh, interesting to see like what his personal life was like because his uh, style was very cemented even from like that one guest appearance so just seeing a full showcase for him was kind of fascinating from my point of view but i'm not quite sure how big of a comedian he is exactly but i don't know if do you guys know who this is burke chrysler no yeah he's either. not quite as well known as uh, some others but I, I think it's a good showcase for his talents so that's all for many reviews and uh now we're just going to talk about what movies are coming up next week real quick uh we got kin which is a new wide release from lionsgate is the feature film like feature feature length film debut from Jonathan and Josh Baker? Uh, we're gonna get through this, guys. Um, it's a movie that's like I I don't I've seen some trailers for this, but I still don't exactly know what the plot is. But I'll I'll read the synopsis. Uh, chased by a vengeful criminal, yeah, chased by a vengeful criminal, 
The feds and a gang of otherworldly soldiers are recent released. Ex-Con and his adopted teenage brother are forced to go on the run with a weapon of mysterious origins as their only protection. It stars uh, Miles Churritt, Jack Renner, Carrie Coon, Zoe Kravis, Dennis Quaid, and James Franco. Uh, do you guys have any opinions about the film based on the trailers that you've seen so far, if you have seen any trailers? Uh, the most exciting thing about Ken is that when it comes out, I can finally stop seeing the trailer for exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's been play- I, It has played in literally every movie I have seen for the past four months. That's wild, because I've only seen... Well, do yeah. you guys go to AMC a lot? Yeah. Okay, because I, I barely ever go. I, I've only seen it. I saw it for the first time before I saw uh, Mission Impossible in IMAX. And okay. um, I was like, what is this? Uh <laughs> James Franco is in this movie, apparently. So yeah, yeah a bit of poor timing there, I guess. But uh, it, <laughs> it seems like I, I guess he has like a fairly sizable role in the film. But it seems like they are not showing that in the trailers, from what I've seen. Yeah, they're downplaying it. Yeah, like yeah, he's in the movie too. Um, yeah, I don't really have an opinion on this film, but uh, I don't know. It I mean, looks it could okay. Be fun. I might go see it. Yeah. Uh, also, like we said earlier, I should mention that Searching is coming out in a wide release next week. So if you want to check out the film, that's where you can see it. Um, there's also Operation Finale, which is another wide release from MGM, who we were talking about earlier. Uh, this is the new film from Chris Weiss, who is the director of A Better Life, The Twilight Saga, New Moon, and The Golden Compass. And he also co-directed with his brother About a Boy, Down to Earth, and American Pie 1. So he has quite a varied career. And this film is another departure, I guess, because it's about a team of secret agents set out to track down the Nazi officer who masterminded the Holocaust. So uh, it could be kind of like a, like a Valkyrie-esque thriller in some ways. It's another period piece. It has Oscar Isaac, Ben Kingsley, uh, Melanie Lennert. I, I don't think I pronounced her name right, and I apologize for that. Uh, Liar Raz, uh, Joe Alwyn, who is uh, the titular Bill, Billy Lynn from Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. And Nick Kroll in a rare dramatic turn. So, uh, do you guys have any feelings or opinions on this movie so far? Uh, I think it looks good. Yeah, I don't know. It looks okay. I, I don't really have I'm, any opinions about it. A, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Chris White's, but uh, I, I do like almost everybody who's in this movie. So, I'm Yeah, I mean, I think what's surprising for me is that like this is his first directorial movie since A Better Life, which actually got a pretty good response. And it uh, garnered an Oscar nomination, too. So I'm kind of surprised that it took so long to make another film. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I think the trailer looks fine. I, I'm not really sold on it exactly. But, I mean, it could be pretty good. So that's coming out next week. Uh, this next film is actually one I have seen. But I'm not allowed to talk about because I am pretty strictly embargoed. It's The Little Stranger, which is a new film from Focus Features. It's directed by uh, Lenny Aberson who people probably know best for Frank and Room. Not the Room, Room, the uh, Brie Larson one, which is where he was nominated for Best Director. And this is his follow-up to Room. Uh, it's based on a book by um, Sarah Walters that came out in 2009. It's a gothic novel. And the general plot synopsis is that a doctor is called to visit a crumbly manor where some strange things begin to occur. Uh, it stars Don Hill Gleason, Ruth Wilson, Will Porter, uh, Josh Dillon, and Charlotte Rambling, who is always a delight to see on screen. I, I always like seeing Charlotte Rambling in a movie. Uh, I, I'm just going to let you guys know, though, that the marketing for this movie is very misleading. Uh, it's they, They're making it look like it's like a kind of uh, gothic horror movie. 
it's just a straightforward like period drama with some creepy elements in it. Like I, it's gonna be one <laughs> so of those movies where it's Crimson Peak all over again. I yeah, I guess it's it's gonna be like one of those movies where like, I, well, I do think Crimson Peak had like some horror elements to it. Like this is just a straight up period drama. Like there's like maybe one horror esque scene in the movie, and okay. anything that's like horror esque is literally in the trailer. So like I imagine there's gonna be like a lot of like wide audience people who are just gonna be like mad that they were missold on the movie. But I can't talk about the quality of the film right now. I just wanted to let everyone know that if you're expecting this to be a horror movie, uh, don't expect that. It still looks good. I'm a huge Donald Gleason fan. Yeah, I mean, I hope you check it out. Like I said, I can't talk about the quality of the film, but um, it it's certainly one that's going to garner a conversation if, at the very least, people being mad that they got sold on the wrong film. But Okay. Yeah. So, um the next film is, or our last film actually, is uh, Bloodfest, which uh, we actually had a little bit of confusion about before we recorded, and we'll explain why. Uh, it's a limited release from Cinedyne <laughs> Entertainment, and it's the sophomore film from director Owen Egerton, who is uh, previously the filmmaker behind 2015's Follow. I'm not quite familiar with that film, but that is his past work. And uh, so the confusion here is that I guess there's a movie called Hellfest. And there's another film called Bloodfest. Yeah. And I guess they have kind of similar plots. The plot of this one is that fans flock to this like festival celebrating iconic horror movies. And they discover that the charismatic showman behind the event is actually fairly diabolical in his agenda. And then when the festival attendees start dying, there are three teenagers who are you know fairly knowledgeable about the mechanics of horror movies. They're banned together and they battle the various madmen and monstrosities in order to uh, survive. And it stars Zachary Levi, Jack of, Jack, Jacob Badalon, who, uh, is Ned from Spider-Man Homecoming, as well as Robbie Kay, Barbara Dunkman, and Shell Gabriel. And, um, I don't really know too much about the film other than it sounds like it's pretty similar to the movie Hellfest that's coming out. So I think it's going to be another, like you were saying, Matt, another, uh, this is the end and the world's end situation where, uh, people might be <laughs> thinking it's one film, but talking about another. Because hell, the other is, two, uh, the other two what? that year were Olympus has fallen and White House down. Yeah, I mean, yes. like there, there are other examples <laughs> like, um, you know, Friends with Benefits and No Strings Attached. Yes, Deep yeah. Impact and Armageddon. Like you know, yeah. Like, yeah. but I mean, it, I don't know if the plots are actually that similar. It just sounds like they're similar enough that the fact they're coming out pretty close to one another might make it confusing. So yeah, because Hellfest is a, I think it's a straight horror, and it's about some girls that are at an amusement park, and uh, that's supposed to be really scary, and there is literally a serial killer there that's killing people. Yeah. Uh, nice. So not quite sure what's going on there, but uh, if you want to check out that film, it's playing in limited release next week. And with that, that's our episode, guys. Um, thanks again for joining hey. us. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, you can also hang out with us on Twitter and Facebook, where we are trying to be pretty good about communicating with you guys. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to send them that way. And, of course, you can always email us at cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. All right. Um, you guys, you have fun? Yeah. Yeah. This is great. Right. I'm, I'm glad you guys were able to do it. It ogre till it's ogre. Yeah, we, that's going to say we're going to record an episode of A Ogre Till It's Ogre after this. So if you enjoyed this uh, ramshackle conversation that we concocted and I promise that John will be around next week who will probably steer the ship a little smoother than I did but we made it through the end <laughs> so I, I'm thankful yeah, for that yeah this is good yeah I had fun alright 
From the internet, Pennsylvania, I'm Will Ashton. From the internet, California, I'm Matt Serafini. Uh, from the internet, Colorado, I'm Chris Sheridan. All right, guys. See you next time.